Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, I speak with interesting people in pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic medicine. I often ask the guests on the show about their influences and inspiration for their chosen careers, and we've talked quite a bit about mentoring as well. So I thought we'd take a look at the other side of that. My guest today is Dr. Richa Saxena, and she has been an inspiration and a mentor to hundreds of people throughout her career as a pathology educator. We're going to talk about that career, as well as how education has changed during the pandemic and how it might change in the future. All right, here's Dr. Richa Saxena. The first thing I'd like to ask you, who or what inspired you to pursue a career in medicine? Now, from my early school days, I was very fond of science. And it was my favorite subject. And I always knew that whatever I ended up doing in life, it would be something related to the science stream. Okay. Then when I was uh, seven, I suffered with an elbow fracture and was taken to the hospital to be fed for a cost. Even though everyone around kept telling me that my hand will be okay, but I was uh, scared, probably because I thought something so painful could never heal. I snuck out of the ER somehow. I was hoping to find myself a nice hiding place. Uh, and as I walked around, I heard moans coming from a certain area. And I followed the sound to see some elderly people in deep pain. It turns out it was the orthopedic ward. And as a kid, it was frightening to watch. But then I saw a man in white coat, who I assumed was a doctor, helping them. I could see that he was able to help them ease their pain. I barely understand how he did that. But it invigorated in me a curiosity for science and a need to help like never before. Medicine offered this plant, and as far as I could see, nothing else offered the opportunity to do both. And as far as pathology is concerned, like uh, because pathology is my specialty, right. uh, we know that it's a foundation of clinical work and it's covering all the facets of patient care, from testing to diagnosing to driving the management plans and to treat patients. So this field, this is a field that naturally fascinates critical thinkers and problem solvers. When I was a student, though, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, a residency in one of the clinical streams was the most obvious choice, and most students would come across a career in pathology unintentionally. Mm -hmm. However, uh, this was not uh, how this came about for me. While doing my residency in dermatology, uh, then uh, I got an opportunity to participate in multidisciplinary meeting tumor boards, and I witnessed the pathologist describing specific tissue findings, growth, as well as microscopic, and based on those, their diagnosis, which ultimately directed patient care. And it was actually during this time that I realized the critical role of pathology. We all know in dermatology, there are so many um, diseases which are totally dependent upon uh, the pathologist uh, diagnosis. Uh, 
so these uh, we play a clean, uh, critical role in outcomes of patients with dermatological conditions and many other conditions and how the information provided by us sometimes precisely help other teams to determine the appropriate therapeutic regimens and management plans and uh, i was lucky that i got an opportunity to work with some world class pathologist at that time and these uh, who played a great motivational role and i knew that this was the field for me it wasn't an easy road though i began to be at the receiving end of disappointing looks and comments including being told that i must have uh, no social skills or mm. must not be able to deal with people right. or that i was only interested in research work because i had no skills some of my old colleagues uh, uh, seemed to pity on me they asked what happened to you you were brilliant in medical school top of the class and great with people so why would you choose to go to pathology Uh, I was, however, fortunate enough to receive the endorsement from my mentors, some of whom were renowned surgeons and clinicians who understood the value of a pathologist. It's only now that the valuable role of laboratory testing in clinical medicine is coming to light. And as determined I was to become a dermatologist, I couldn't be happier with the path that I chose. Right. You know, it, it seems like that sort of opinion about pathology it still exists today i mean i i talked to lots of people on this on this podcast that have said have told me the same story that they've heard those kind of comments when they when other people heard that they were going to going to go into pathology yeah yeah true and still uh, but we are the patient centered uh, and uh, we are the one who are guiding even oncologists oncology surgery everybody and uh, you right. see Somebody told me once it was something like seventy to eighty percent of clinical decisions are based on a, a laboratory test or a pathology result. Absolutely, absolutely. So pathology wasn't your first choice. Then you you were you did a dermatology residency first. Is that what you said? Yeah, and I finished it, and then I joined pathology. I got you. Okay, okay. Now you did your medical training in your residency in India, and then you. In, in addition to dermatology and pathology, you went on to do additional advanced training in hematology. So, what was it that drew you to to hematology then? Actually, it was a life altering experience. I have to say, an intern training under me. Uh, he uh, he is a young and lively guy with a very promising career ahead of him. Was diagnosed with AML, acute myeloid leukemia. Okay. It was a sudden diagnosis and his passing away was just as sudden. And despite you know he went for bone marrow transplant but it wasn't successful. We did everything for him and uh, eventually he passed away. It was long before. And in close succession one of my cousins suffered from the same uh, diagnosis and he same fate. Mhm. uh it was probably the suffering and the demand of the unbearable situation was that first gave me an insight into the field of hematology and uh, once i completed my residency despite enjoying all the other fields sub specialties like anatomic pathology cytopathology and others hematology seemed like a natural choice i didn't even think about it 
it was just decided. A career in hematology has provided me with much more satisfaction, particularly during my time in Middle East, where I was working as a hematologist and then encountered the highest rates of red blood cell disorders. In some of these countries, as many as uh, almost 10-15% of the population carries the gene for these genetic RBC conditions. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, you see sickle cell anemia, there are societies for that, and there are genetic counseling So uh, for these diseases. And these diseases because become particularly evident while we are giving chemotherapy when, uh, suppose, in USA, and we should know that these patients were uh, having these uh, genetic disorders. So that time it became so particularly relevant. And remembering these patients as the steadfast strength of this field, the one I could help as a lifetime reward, and the ones I couldn't as lessons learned. You were also a, a professor of pathology in while, while you were still in India. Um, how, how did you become interested in teaching? Actually, it was a natural progression. Okay. A large chunk of my success as a pathologist can be attributed to the mentors and teachers I have had. To that end, I have always wanted to pay forward at least some of what I was fortunate enough to receive. I began tutoring in my med school days and also took up opportunities to train in community practice. Over the long course of my career, I have worked at various laboratories in a number of hospitals in many countries and was always involved in some sort of instructional capacity at the affiliated universities. After progressively occupying more and more teaching and leadership roles in medical schools I worked at, I eventually transitioned to my full-time role as a pathology educator, uh, furthering my commitment to the field of pathology education at all levels, mm -hmm. from undergraduate to graduate and continuing medical education. Personal satisfaction was one of my strongest motivators, followed by the opportunity to inspire my students to this specialty. I love to hear those kind of uh, inspirational type of stories and mentoring type of stories. Like while you were a professor in, in India, did you have, were there any students that maybe you inspired to, to look at pathology and, to, and, you know, take a serious look at it and maybe choose it themselves? Yeah, as a professor of pathology, so uh, I came, uh, it's a pathology educator, uh, it's the greatest pleasure to know that they are able to spark in their students a desire to pursue a career in this field. So I have been fortunate enough to come across so many bright students in my classroom, and a lot of them have chosen to pursue pathology, and they have achieved a great success in their career as pathologists. I have a lot of stories, but there's one in particular that I feel deeply touched by. So this was about one student of mine, a middle-aged guy. Actually, he was here, uh, not in India. So he was a middle-aged guy with a family back home. In the career, he had left to pursue his long-lost dream, becoming a physician. Okay. During his basic sciences, he failed two of his courses, uh, including uh, mine. And he was told that this, his only option was to withdraw or repeat the semester. Dejected, he came to me and told me he was thinking of dropping out. 
and he told me about his personal issues back home how he had a family to take care of and he couldn't waste any more resources because he did not think he had it in him uh-huh. after long conversation i was somehow able to persuade him to continue on and it was difficult time for him of course and um, as uh, because he was uh, since he was a very hard working student he surprised everyone by doing uh, very well in both courses and even shelves this time around the next time and even after passing my course he stays in touch with me and continued coming to me for support and advice after he cleared his boards he called me and said dr saxena i did it and i couldn't have done it without you you know this thing i can the joy in his voice and the way he said i can never forget and once upon a time he was just on the verge of crying and leaving the department and leaving the this uh, medical education and this time he uh, cleared his boards and he was so excited he told me how he was inspired by my passion for pathology and dedication f- to teaching and uh, he also told me that he was now aiming to become a pathologist it oh, was wow. one of the truly humbling moments for my of my life when he began his residency in pathology he called me to say that he had seen magic and to this date he keeps me updated with his latest feats and it gives me great satisfaction to so- see how well he is doing so and there are many many students in one of my residences and she is actually uh, working as professor in one of those universities renowned universities in middle east so there are many stories but this one is uh, really uh, the one i i can kind cannot forget yeah that's a very yeah. that's a very special story i i, yeah, I like that yeah. that's 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 so satisfying to have that kind of effect on someone's you know career and, and just their life that's that's a great that's a great story you said this happened now here now you're the uh professor of pathology and the course director at the medical university of the americas yeah right okay now i'd like to know how did how how did this position come about that that, that you that you moved to that university so uh, i got an opportunity for visiting professorships in uh, some of the universities in uh, around this area and one of them was trinity school university school of medicine and there were a couple of other medical schools mm-hmm. so these were uncharted waters for me and i had never been to this area before which was why i was pleasantly surprised when i got here and you know you see the tropical maritime climate was one of the most beautiful ones i have ever i had ever experienced oh yeah i have always loved the smell of the fresh ocean air mm-hmm. and um, this uh, but this was more than that during the time i was a visiting professor i also got a chance to meet several locals who were kind and helpful and i just fell in love with the place i then applied for full time positions at some medical schools and got an offer from mua so with its solid reputation for uh, me has a solid reputation for uh, academic excellence mm-hmm. it seems like a perfect fit the strong commitment of the faculty and administration for empowering its students was one of the greatest charm that sealed the deal for me you didn't start there as the, as the course director then you were uh, that that came about later is that right yeah very soon i uh, because i started as a professor of pathology okay. and i yeah 
so initially uh, pathology uh, so i was working as pro- uh, as a professor and you know the subject is vast retention is so much information uh, there's so much information which can be cumbersome for students so i recognize that my students can use epistemological medium to bolster their cognitive learning and m- make the process of learning pathology easier and student engagement was a key aspect of this process okay yeah as a professor i created and implemented different teaching aids like module various modules disease process algorithms concept mapping and uh, many many uh, other uh, stuff i created and uh, side by side i also make it a point to involve my students in creating these aids for themselves so as a part of active learning assignments so student engagement uh, was very important for me and particularly uh, now these days you see when we are going online learning e learning in this is the set in the setting of e learning it becomes of a prime importance mm-hmm. and uh, i find it beneficial to edify my course so uh, like th- this was while i was working in professor even now i am using these uh, learning technologies and online modules then eventually very soon i was promoted as course director and i am also a member of curriculum committee so uh, i have the, those roles also i am doing and i ensure that curriculum development meets the appropriate standards and is executed effectively curricular reforms includes uh, updates that are clinically relevant up to date and most importantly aligned with other components of course so that the students are able to appreciate how pathology contributes to clinical care as a part of faculty enrichment i attend internationally recognized medical education group meetings i'm part of many many societies mm-hmm. and uh, working as uh, different areas like some um, some i'm in uh, a curriculum a committee of societies sometimes i am in uh, the program committee and other committees so so i'm attending uh, medical education group meetings presenting my work and um, uh listening to others various in various conferences here in my institution i closely work with other faculty involved in my course to optimize and um, amend the curriculum to stay abreast with the latest practices uh in teaching pathology yeah i think that's important i mean it sounds like that's you're constantly evolving your teaching methods you mentioned the uh, algorithms and mnemonics and things like that and then it it's not, from going to these conferences and talking to other people you're learning other methods and then you're incorporating those is that is that sound about right exactly absolutely uh, that is the most important because uh, we are we have to learn continuous we are continuous learners we'll get back to our interview with Dr. Saxena right after this Labvine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn develop and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists for the laboratory industry. Labvine is free to sign up and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Dress a Med has been designing and manufacturing high quality scrubs since 1980. The prices are affordable, the shipping is very fast, and the scrubs have lots of pockets which I really like. I actually have several sets of these myself. So check out Dress a Med by using the link in the show notes. You can sign up for their loyalty program for free and earn special offers and discounts. Now back to Dr. Richa Saxena 
on the People of Pathology podcast. That kind of ties into what's happening now. I mean, a lot of schools and, and, and medical schools as well have, have turned to online kind of, you know, virtual or digital learning. Last June, so June of 2020, you actually published an article in the Pathologist magazine. You co-authored this one about the process of switching to online and digital learning during this pandemic. So I'm curious, yeah. how can you take us through how that how you had to make that adjustment and how that went? So uh, you see, in uh, this pandemic, the lockdown protocols were initiated. And the usual classes, face-to-face classes, which which were going on, were suspended, and a switch to online learning uh, had to be made. So, online instru- instruction in undergraduate pathology education necessitated the transformation of almost every element of learning and teaching. And so, sessions were now uh, to be delivered using software such as Panopto. Panopto actually we are using from uh, face-to-face learning also. We are recording lectures. Every the Whatever classes we are taking, we are recording it and we are uh, students can anytime can listen to our lectures. So we were using it for online learning as well. So Panopto to record and Zoom to deliver. So Zoom we were using only for online learning to deliver the lectures. And then uh, I, we were using in our pathology classroom other web-based tools. Uh, like uh, social media, uh, blended learning with osmosis videos, and there are many other resources. So the most important component was the usage of digital pathology and uh, corresponding digitized radiology. And uh, this uh, digital pathology and radiology was woven with clinical cases uh, in an aim to provide the most comprehensive understanding of pathology. So, okay. uh, these were the adjustments, actually. Yeah, uh, we made. Uh, okay. There were many challenges also, yeah. It seemed like a lot of schools had to kind of do this very quickly, make this adjustment. Uh, how long did it take? I mean, I imagine there were sort of some hiccups along the way, but how, how long did it take to kind of change everything over to to online learning? Actually, digitized pathology we were using, and um, we were using asynchronous and asynchronous learning. So okay. we were using at times uh, to replace our practical labs also while face to face. This time we completely switched over to digitized pathology and uh, various vid- videos like osmosis videos and blending learning mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the students were online. And this we switched almost uh, nearly after a month. It took hardly a month for us to switch over these. Although there were many obstacles faced by us. Um, uh, and um, our students, including uh, technology usage issues sure. and uh, the acclimatization for educators and learners were also, you know, difficult initially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the curricular reforms and with considerations for online learning issues and solutions uh, were also we faced many problems initially. What about things like, like I've heard people do uh, like virtual office hours, you know, to get, uh, to answer questions from students and things like that. Did you do those kind yeah, of things? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, we, these are the, the uh, because these were the new challenges for us as educators. Mm-hmm. New instructional methods has to be developed and learned. Time management uh, was also of more importance. And uh, gauging feedback from students in a lack of face-to-face environment was almost impossible. Uh, 
Right. So, and the students were also facing the similar predicaments, including lack of motivation and inclination and erratic participation. So, uh, this online classes uh, could be rather arduous for students, and uh, constantly working online exerted additional stress on them. So, particularly this, uh, you asked about this usual interactive participation, lack of uh, physical presence of instructor, and, uh, and then office hours, a lack of office hours, uh, were meant it got harder for the students to grasp concept. So, right. uh, you see, necessity is the home mother of invention. So, what we did initially, there was a challenge, but we instituted, particularly, I instituted online office hours using Zoom. And then I answered queries via emails and on the phone and reached out to students myself okay. when it seemed likely they were struggling or lagging behind. At the end of the day, solutions were found for almost all the challenges that had emerged. And I feel that despite the adjustments, the year has fared well. When all of this is over and things get back to normal, whatever normal is going to be in the future, do you think some of these virtual te teaching methods will, st will still be used? Definitely. The pandemic has led to the medical educators' landscape shifting in scope dramatically. But it has also led to the emergence of the expression, a new normal attributing to the myriad of necessitated changes and development in this era, which were never anticipated. And we are now widely accepted uh, these challenges. So tried and tested traditional methods of instruction and assessment, while still being useful and relevant, have become inadequate and impractical to continue. And they are being gradually adapted to incorporate new innovative methods of online teaching. So as a new learning tool, the utilization of digital pathology technologies is fundamental to pathology instruction as it effortlessly displays the technological singularity to create better student comprehension. And despite the challenges posed by the pandemic, the exceptional performance by the students using these resources is a testament to the success of these methods. Virtual microscopy has a potential role in undergraduate teaching while in class or as part of distance learning. So all of these new teaching approaches have the potential to catalyze the modernization of U.S. pathological education, even when in-person teaching. You're talking about some of the, the digital pathology, and I have to think, because that's becoming, a, as time goes on, that's becoming a bigger part of pathology, and I think it'll that will continue. So that's something that, you know, using that now during online learning will definitely carry over when in-person learning comes comes back, because that's that's an area that's just going to continue to grow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I want to talk about another article that you wrote, in, in, again, in The Pathologist. And this was just recently, I think it was last month, maybe, because you mentioned that you would check in on, on your students uh, via email and things like that. And it, it's relevant to the topic of the article because that was you wrote about uh, burnout in medical school. I, I, want to, I want to talk about this article a little bit. But first, what inspired you to write about burnout in particular? So experience burnout in a medical student's life seems like a regular expression. And you see, it's, it's very common 
the brewing struggles with depression, anxiety, and other psychological conditions among medical students right. have been springing up. So in the uh, it, it was long being it's like it was like an epidemic in different parts of the world from the very beginning with, and it is much more prevalent in medical students um, who are facing higher rate of depression than the general population. So because you know we have over, uh, they, they are overburdened and um, they need some um, some kind of uh, we need some kind of reforms. And this has become additional during this pandemic. Right. Yeah. So uh, this issue has aggravated and its impact was uh, more visible than ever before. So as the uh, this global pandemic situation progresses, impacting all its path and putting to the test our endurance and dynamism, it once again brings to the forefront the significance of prioritizing the health and well-being of medical students both physical and psychological, who are being uniquely affected as they cope with a challenged, with a changed medical education system. So a sudden suggestion of classroom teaching during pandemic and right. social distancing uh, protocols has highlighted new challenges for medical students, loss of person, uh, personal classroom experience, as well as the lack of in-person cohort experiences combined with the continued expectations of a demanding medical school curriculum has highlighted new challenges. Do you think that burnout is becoming more prevalent now or is it just more recognized? Yeah, actually, the pandemic was a sudden traumatic event that set off an uh, acute and extreme feelings of despair and vulnerability, even without the pre-existing stressors right. associated with the medical student's life. Mm -hmm. So many factors may be involved in leading to a burnout situation, such as overwhelming academic work, overload, the presence to learn vast amounts of information with a limited period plus intense feeling of obligation to medicine as a future physicians, sometimes feelings of inaptitude and depersonalization may also emerge. So we did many things like we primary step preventing and handling a burnout situation and emotional stress. We did um, is to recognize it and acknowledging the emotional stresses and our responses to them. So uh, people often tend to feel that anxious, embarrassed or guilty when they encounter strong feelings like despair of resentment, which leads to them to attempt to uh, hide or suppress such feelings. Mm -hmm. So this is unhealthy. And ultimately, the accretion of such emotions can result in irritability, agitation, apathy, and emotional fatigue, uh, and subsequently one out. I feel like too, maybe, you know, admitting that you're, burnt out or, or something like that could some people take that as like a sign of weakness or you know you're not cut out for medical school or some that kind of attitude do you think yeah. that's why maybe people hide it yeah they hide it actually that is that is the uh, most uh, the part of concern like uh, what what are some things then we can do about to alleviate burnout i mean obviously getting past the pandemic would certainly help but what, what are some other things that we that can be done as in, uh, as educators, we can and we must uh, be good role models for self-care and empathy. We must connect with our students and offer support where possible, not just in academics, 
but also career counseling and life coaching. Uh, you see, a moment of self-compassion can change your entire day and sometimes so much more. It's of paramount importance that students understand the need of self-care, excessive demands on self um, or self-criticism, especially in these unprecedented times can have detrimental effects. Right. These are some uh, only some actions uh, that can go a long way toward alleviating medical students' stress and reducing burnout. Ultimately, they may have a benefit augmenting the curricular co uh, co quality by nurturing uh, societal conscientiousness and uh, moral responsibility among medical students, leading to a healthier educational environment. And at the end of the day, I hope uh, we see a new generation of doctors who understand the full picture of health and wellness, both for their students and for themselves. Uh, actually, uh, when our mental batteries are drained, we all need to recharge. And so everyone involved in medical education must foster wellness and stress management for their students. Great. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good message. I like that. Last question then. Through your career as a educator, I know you've seen a lot of changes and you've incorporated a lot of these into your techniques. So I wonder if, if you look at the future of pathology education, what do you think that's going to look like? Uh, pathology is the one subject that gives the opportunity to explore a large variety of medical interests. I believe that the future of pathology education should focus on a more open access approach. We are fortunate uh, to have so many brilliant minds in our profession and many students and colleagues around the world would benefit from learning from top-notch professionals. Most importantly, uh, the future of pathology education should include digital media uh, that is easy, accessible, and explainable to students who are just being exposed to the field in their initial education stages. Now, end uh, of uh, familiarity and knowledge of computational sciences is essential at this stage from the beginning as we are moving more and more towards advanced technological approaches in pathology. So with advances in technology and social media, online learning using annotated digital pathology and red path correlation. Because you see earlier we used to have a museum uh, when we were students, I hope you remember, we have virtual museums with formalin induced uh, this, this thing. Now, radiology can play a big role uh, for uh, gross pathology. So we can have virtual gross pathology, annotated digital pathology, that is morphology. And then we can have red path correlation with active learning sessions. So uh, we used uh, in during epidemic, we use these things in breakout rooms, in Zooms, and oh, okay. uh, during Zoom. is uh, And this is emerging as a new and rapidly growing approach for undergraduate as well as postgraduate medical education. For the budding pathologists of tomorrow, learning needs to be revamped to adopt new methods of instruction and develop new approaches to assessment, 
contemporary approaches in pathology education have the potential to catalyze the modernization of pathology like never before. These, along with the ability to inspire an indefatigable inspiration for pathology and the deep commitment to succeeding in the field, are a pathology educator's most important tools to the future generation of pathologists. Dr. Richard Saxena, this, this has been truly an honor to go through your career with you and, uh, and, to, and to speak with you today. Thank you very much. I'm humbled and um, it's my pleasure. Great big thanks to Dr. Richard Saxena. Here's a preview of the next episode featuring pathologist assistant Diane Spicer. What was like the initial idea or the initial conversation about this? Well, it was Dr. Barnes's idea, and having had edited the pathology uh, of the fetus and infant from Potter's, she said, we need to do something that's a bit more focused and a bit more instructive, and we have so many good cases and so many good pictures, and so she just kind of got the ball rolling, and we discussed, you know, chapters and what we wanted to include, and uh, all that type of thing, and, and we just kind of got started. It took us a couple years to get it done because it was just her and I at that point. And now the second edition, we added Dr. Thora Stephenson, who I currently work with at Tampa General, and she was a, did her two-year fellowship with Dr. Gilbert Barnes, and then was hired on uh, by Tampa General after Dr. Gilbert Barnes retired. So it was just... Um, an easy decision to include her on the second edition because then if we decided to do something uh, going forward then she would be you know the pathologist uh, on the the authorship along with me there's one thing i really want to underscore about this conversation with dr saxena i hope you could hear the sense of excitement and pride in her voice as she was talking about helping her students over the years uh, she's very proud of what she's done and, and she should be it's got to be a great feeling to help people like that. And I think that's something we should all strive for. I'll have links in the show notes to everything we talked about today. That, of course, is at peopleofpathology.podbean.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter at People of Path or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you like this episode and maybe you know someone who needs a little inspiration themselves, please share this episode with them. And together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can follow the link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out their other interesting podcasts. This week, I was listening to the RNMD podcast, which explores the relationships between doctors and nurses, so that might be a good place to start. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast. Mm-hmm.